This is one of the reasons why I love this church, is our great time of worship. And let's express our appreciation to the worship team this morning. We also want to welcome those who are watching us over the internet. We're glad you're here this morning with us. The photo behind me is from our trip to Nigeria in Joss. We were there about three months ago, a group of 11 of us, one of which was Becky Lubert, who is a person who, uh, thank you, who is, uh, took the gap year, that's the year after you graduate from high school, before you go on to college or maybe into a career. She took that year to go to work for our missionaries, Peter and Miriam Fretime, in their ministry in Joss, Nigeria. That ministry is involved in all kinds of work in the orphanages and with street people and uh, with displaced persons. And so we were part of that. But this picture behind me is a picture of the prison in Joss. And we went there one day and were there for the whole day. And you notice in the front of the picture, or in the front row, is uh, the warden, Mr. Wojo. And uh, he told us a couple things about the prison. First of all, he said that they have a dire need for a water supply in that the, the prison is quite old and they have a problem with getting fresh water into the inmates. And so it's very, very difficult. There's a lot of uh, disease and the hygiene is not good because of the water supply. The second thing he told us was that there were a thousand people in this prison. And then he kind of dropped the bombshell by saying, 200 of them have already gone to trial and have already been found guilty, and their sentence was that they were going to be hung. Well, that certainly got our attention when we realized that there were 200 or a fifth of the inmates had already gone to trial. And so as we walked into the, uh, through the doors into the main area where the prisons were kept, I thought that these uh, people that had already been convicted would be in separate cells but they weren't. They were all together in a huge, about the size of a soccer field, over a thousand prisoners. And as we were walking through them, I kept kind of smiling and, and thinking, what in heaven's name am I doing here? We, ushered, we were ushered into the room that was going to be the place we were going to have a worship time, and we were there to lead a worship service with prison fellowship. And as we uh, went into that auditorium. There were about 220, 230 seats there. This place was packed. But then the thing that caught my eye was through the glassless windows, there was a, uh, just a throng of people looking in through those windows, seeing what we were doing. And there was a, another throng at the door trying to get in. And I thought to myself, Larry, what are you doing here? Now, I realized in my pocket I had American dollars, that I had a visitor's pass, and I could go to the guards and show that pass, and they let me out. I knew I was not thirsty. I knew I was slightly overweight, as my wife often reminds me. <laughs> what should I say to these people? I had selected a sermon I was going to give that morning, but somehow it just seemed irrelevant, it seemed very light. And so I started to pray fervently, Lord, give me something. Give me something for these prisoners. Strangely, my mind was drawn to a verse 
in the book of Zechariah. Now, I can't remember the last time I read the book of Zechariah. I couldn't remember a single verse other than this one from that, from that uh, book itself. And yet the Lord gave me that. I bet if you're like me right now, you're hoping that we displayed on the screen back here our text because if you had your Bibles with you this morning and I told you to open your Bibles to the book of Zechariah, there'd probably be a lot of people thumbing through it trying to find it and maybe some of you, like maybe on occasion I would have to do, would have to go to the table of contents. And maybe if you have a tablet or your iPhone with you, you might misspell Zechariah and wind up in Zephaniah. But Zechariah is the second to last book in the Old Testament, followed by the book of Malachi. It is the longest of the minor prophets. When I was a freshman in college, I took a class on the minor prophets. I remember going into the class as a freshman, really not quite transitioned out of high school thinking. And I remember the syllabus was laid out before us and the professor started to talk about all the requirements of the class. And I found myself going like, Oosh, what am I doing here? As with many of the other students, I thought, um, uh, I'm not sure what's gonna happen here. As I gathered my books and made my way past the professor's desk, I saw one of my friends was at the desk talking to the professor, and I thought, well, maybe he knows something about these minor prophets that I can go and maybe catch a kernel that'll help me with this. So I kind of slowed down to listen, and I heard the friend of mine say, Dr. Beeler, I'm gonna drop the class. And Dr. Beeler said, what's the problem? I mean, was the homework too much? Was it too difficult? Or, or was there some, some heresy I'm propagating? Or what was the problem? And the student said, well, you see, I'm an economics major. And I thought minor profits deals with that part of, you know, business where you don't make much money. <laughs> you know, you're, you're starting a business, and so it's minor profits. <laughs> and I, that actually happened. I remember the professor going like, I don't believe this. Give me the form. <laughs> so when I think of the minor profits, I always think of this particular class The minor prophets are called minor in the English language simply because they are shorter than the longer prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. At the time of Jesus, these 12 minor prophets were bound together in one scroll about the size of the uh, scroll that would hold Isaiah's prophecy. Zechariah has a contemporary. That's Haggai. And Haggai and Zechariah and all the minor prophets kind of thunder against the people of God. And what's happened here is that in 538, Cyrus the Great has granted the right for the Jews, at least the Jews of Judah and Benjamin, that tribe, to go back to Jerusalem. And so they've gone back, and it's been about 12 or 20 years, and nothing has happened. They haven't rebuilt the walls. They haven't reconstituted the temple it's still in ruins. And so the book of Zechariah opens with these words. In the eighth month of the second year, Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Idu. The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you. 
Do not be like your ancestors to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Zechariah, as with all the other minor prophets, cautions the people, gives them the, the word that things are not right. But in the midst of that warning, he casts a, a, a bolt of great hope. In our text this morning, Zechariah 9:12, return to your fortresses, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. As I stood before those men in that prison, many of which wanted an immediate release, but many of the men would probably never leave that prison alive. The Holy Spirit gave me this verse, that in the midst of their being in prison, they were prisoners of hope if they were Christ followers. It's been said that if you, in the midst of a journey, take away and make a person discouraged, the journey will halt for a while. If you give physical illness, the journey may be postponed. But if you take away a person's hope, all journeys end. Zacharias says to his people, things are difficult. There are still enemies around Jerusalem. The walls have not been built. The temple has not been established. But in the gloom of his prophecy, he says to them that great phrase, he calls them prisoners of hope. The apostle Peter picks up this same motif of hope in the New Testament when he writes to the church, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. The men in that prison could feel that God has abandoned them, but he hasn't. They are still prisoners, but if they are Christ followers, they are prisoners of hope that God has not forgotten them. When the stamp team was in Nigeria, We met a man named Musa. And if there ever was an individual that could have lost any hope, could have fallen into despair, it's Musa. Let's look at his story. I grew up not as a Christian, but as a Muslim. I later repented and became a Christian. It was after five years of becoming a Christian that I decided to become an evangelist, telling people about Christ and that they should repent and accept him to be their savior. I was staying in a place in Bauchi State that had a lot of Muslim worshipers. They were very hostile to the Christian faith. It was very difficult to find Christians there 
And being a Christian is very difficult as the people are very harsh towards Christians. I was staying with my family on the 14th of January, 2015, when some people knocked on my door while my family and I were sleeping. When I woke up, they said to me, Musa, today your life has come to an end. And then I said, my God, help me. They pulled out a sharp knife and tried to strike me on my neck, but I reached out with my left arm to block. I lost my hand. They tried to strike me the second time and I reached out with my right hand to block again. I lost my thumb in the process. They struck the third time and got me on my head. Because of the pain I felt, I bent down and they struck me on my back several times. I then prayed to God saying, God, let your will be done. As a result of what happened to me, Pastor Joel heard about me from the city ministries in Joss Plata State. He and his team have consistently come to the place where I'm from in Bauchi State to help people and better the lives of people and also to reconcile the different faiths in the community. As a result of this, many people have given their lives to Christ. Many people, though not believers, have given me their children, saying that I should pray for them so they may also become Christians. The ministry has dug wells, carried out community development, renovated chiefs' palaces, and given free medication to the sick. I thank God for what has happened to me because it is through this attack that many people have given their lives to Christ. Bad people did bad things to Musa. He could have allowed those chains of violence to imprison him. But he chose not to do that. Did you hear what he said in the end of that piece there where he said, I praise God for what's happened to me. A prisoner of hope. Because we are prisoners of hope, sometimes we can make very audacious, and some would say foolish goals, plans, hopes, dreams, as people of hope. Jesus, as he's about to leave this earth, comes to his disciples and his final words to him are them, to them are these, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. Surely, 
I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, surely, I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Sometimes bad things happen to you and sometimes bad things happen to you. Maybe not to the scope that happened to Musa. Maybe you don't lose an arm or a finger or have gashes on your back. But sometimes in the midst of the troubles of this world, we can think, God has abandoned me. Where are you, God? But Jesus says in his last words to his people, in the book of Matthew, surely, surely, the King James says, lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. A little bit earlier in the book of Matthew, Jesus gives a prediction, a promise of what's going to happen. He says this in Matthew, the 24th chapter, the 14th verse. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. As people of hope, prisoners of hope, we have set some pretty audacious goals for our missions program here at this church. Some would say they're foolhardy or, or maybe even beyond the realm of possibilities. We set four strategic goals. First of all, to take the gospel to those with least access to the gospel with a special emphasis on North Africa and Central Asia. Secondly, we're going to take the gospel to the poorest of the poor through our ongoing commitment to Haiti and Rwanda. Third, we're going to take the gospel to the least powerful with a concentration on the Syrian refugees in Jordan. To do away with childhood slavery on Lake Volta in Ghana. And lastly, to take the gospel to our local university students and to those in need or at risk in our community. That first strategic goal is first for a reason. It's there first because it's the hardest of the four. It's almost foolhardy when we think about taking the gospel to areas of the world that are resistant to the gospel, to the hot spots of the world, to those who have no access to the gospel. It's hard because the easy ones have already been reached. The, the, uh, Jesus says that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And in large part, that's happened to the easy nations. But now we're down to the hard ones. Just as I was thinking about this, what's going on in Ghana, Eric Luber came up to me and showed me something that was just released today, that 30 Christians were murdered in the province just north of where the Fretimes are. As they were coming out of the, their church, and some of them were missionaries, the Fulani herdsmen attacked them and killed 30 of them. And it's almost foolish, almost unbelievable that we would still send our people into those hard areas, into those difficult areas, into places that the gospel has not yet penetrated. But that's what God has called us to do because, because we are prisoners of hope. 
And Jesus promises that that's going to happen. The gospel will be preached as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Shameless plug for the upcoming missions conference. We're going to be talking about how technology and the internet and the web has allowed us to reach across the man-made borders, to reach into the lives of people who have least access to the gospel. And that God allows us to do that. Maybe it's in this generation that we're going to complete that, that promise of Jesus, that the gospel will be preached. And we believe that. Because if you're a Christian, if you're a Christ follower, you are, I am, a prisoner of hope. Back to our story in Ghana. Excuse me, back to our story in Nigeria. Remember the warden said one of the most crucial areas of need in that prison was for fresh water. The 11 of us who went on the trip in the stamp trip, we prayed about this and we took that need to the Board of Missions. And the Board of Missions this week voted to pay for the drilling of wells that would prov provide water to those inmates in that prison. And they're gonna do it with the money you have given us through our Faith Promise Missions program. And why are we doing that? Because as a, as a people of hope, we want to give hope to those people in the midst of their incarceration. We want to give them the water that they need so we can share with them he who gives the eternal gift of salvation. That's the privilege we have as prisoners of hope. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online. And we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.